0: EFTM
1: tech
2: cars lifestyle. This is the EFTM podcast with Trevor Long.
1: EFTM.
2: Hey, yeah, good day, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome. Great to have your company on the EFTM podcast once again this week. Um, it is a cracking crazy week. I might go into that in a little bit, but uh, still happy to get uh, to all the emails I got this week and try and get to as many people as I can, try and help them out with their tech questions. So there's a lot of that this week. Um, uh, so many strange and interesting questions too. I've got to be honest, there's a lot to learn for all of us, hopefully. Um, and it's always great to get your feedback too on that very thing. So let me know what you enjoy hearing about and um, whether you're enjoying the different parts of the show. I'm, I'm open to feedback, always. Happy to hear from you at any time. Um, you can just go to the website, email me, click on Ask Trev, or as you well know, you can find me on Twitter at Trevor Long on Facebook you can just search up Trevor Long and I'll be there for you um, but as uh, Joe Blogger said the best weekly podcast going thanks Joe good good, good man uh, that was a week ago so I appreciate you doing that uh, he said I've been listening to this podcast for many years always the first one I play each week that's very very nice for all things technology and gadget related entertaining and informative informative is what we try to be so let's crack on with that very task <laughs> And it was a fascinating week last week. I ended the week by flying to Melbourne with a Stig, um, my first flight in uh, over 12 months. Very strange experience, although very familiar. Um, I slept through the whole thing, which was good. That's what I... <laughs> I've always been good at sleeping on planes. I don't know whether that's because I get plane sick or just because it's a time away from family. and There's no one nagging me. <laughs> it's quiet and peaceful. Um I use frequent flyer points to upgrade to business as well because what the hell else am I going to use frequent flyer points for at the moment? So yes, it was nice, very nice. Great to have the Virgin planes back in the air. Great to be um, living the Virgin experience uh, uh, down to Melbourne. But the reason was we went to we we got to Melbourne, we got in a cab, and went straight to the Porsche Centre Melbourne where I was picking up the Porsche Taycan. Now this is a car uh, I saw. I was invited to Germany September 2019. Um, Porsche Australia said, we'd love to take you over there. And I said, listen, oh, good news. Oh, great news. I'm already going to be there because uh, it was the same time as IFA. Um, uh, brilliantly, um, they were willing to help out and um, not just me. Uh, they invited me, but I flew Stig and others with me. And uh, that was a good experience um, to, to bring the team. And we saw the car launch. It was amazing. First electric car from Porsche. Wow. Um, but it's been a long time coming since it's hit the market here. Now, plenty of people put their names down for the car at that very time and and in between, and frankly, I've got to tell you, delivery started last Monday. I reckon at least 25, maybe 30 were delivered in the first week just in Sydney, if not just a couple of dealers, Um, and I think just as many this week as well. When I dropped the car back, I'll fast forward, um, there was at least six cars in there waiting for pre-delivery and here's the weird thing, and I think I mentioned this in the video, which you can find at YouTube. Um, I I drive some pretty cool cars, Lamborghinis, Ferraris, um, Rolls-Royce, all those kind of things. But I don't know anyone that owns those. I know one bloke that owns Ferraris. But this car, this Porsche, I know two people who have bought them and by now have them delivered. And I know at least one other who... Is ordering that? There's something about that to me. It's a two hundred thousand dollar car, but I gotta say, I am. I'm thinking Oprah Winfrey vision wall style. Thinking I should put a Porsche Taycan up on a wall and say that's what we're aiming towards. And just start putting the pennies away. I can't see myself ever applying for finance for one because I don't like the idea of spending mortgage money per month on a four year lease. On a $200,000 car, it just, doesn't, it just doesn't work for me. But who knows? Maybe the balloon is so big that the payments are actually quite low. I should look into that. Anyway, I digress. See, it's funny because last time we did the drive, um, um, again, the three of us, uh, we went from Brisbane to Adelaide. Um, it was a good drive, but it was a bit stressful because the supercharger network was new had to stand around. I remember standing at Port Macquarie um, up on the hill at the Banana Plantation, middle of friggin' nowhere before they relocated that supercharger. Um, and we were there for like 25, 30, 40 minutes before we could get enough juice to go the next level. This was very different though. This car is capable of 350 kilowatt charging, which they say is 0 to 80% battery in 40 minutes. So I thought, okay, so we need to stop at Euroa, Wodonga, Gundagai, Goulburn, and we're home. Cool. Now, the car is not, and you'll see all this in my full video review, this car's not, fr- frankly, not ready for Australia yet because there's a lot of data that needs to go into that infotainment system. The ChargeFox network hasn't been built fully at the point, point of delivery so that it can't yet calculate your whole route with charging. It can do it bit by bit, but it's not perfect. that That's a negative, but it's a very small thing. Here's what I learned straight up. We stopped at Uroa. We hadn't had anything to eat, so we quickly stopped for lunch, pulled into the survey. There was nothing there but macas, really. Uh, oh, it's a kebab shop and whatnot. But anyway, we got we got smackers, sat down. We were probably eating for 15 minutes max, went back to the car, and it had an extra 30% battery put in. Or was it 60? 20 minutes? It was a lot. It, it, it had charged a lot in a short space of time to the point where I don't think we even needed to stop at Wodonga. But we stopped the night because we were doing the Today Show the next morning. The next day, we were driving. We could easily get to Goulburn. But by the time we got to Gundagai, I was needing to stand up and shake the arms out and, you know, stretch the legs and get a drink. So we plugged it in again for 10 or 15 minutes and we got a drink and we came back to the car and, again, way more charge than we needed all the way to Sydney. By the time we got to Goulburn, it was lunchtime. So we got lunch. We plugged in. 25 30 minutes later we had way more than enough to get to where we need to go plus you know enough juice for the weekend of city driving ahead it was a completely unremarkable experience if you didn't know that it was kind of tender hooks you know is this the kind of thing you can do you wouldn't have even thought twice about it wouldn't have thought twice about it now you're restricted you have to stop at certain places but that's to the benefit of the places everyone else should just be you know lobbying for for charges But these things cost a million bucks to put in. But, you know, it's not going to be everywhere just yet, is it? But it was a brilliant experience. And that, combined with the news last week that Volvo is going 100% electric by 2030, just gets me so excited about electric cars. And it really does. But again, I temper that excitement with the very brutal, raw truth that they're too expensive. I'm not talking about a Porsche. I'm talking about electric cars generally. And the MG... ZS EV is the perfect example. It's a great little car. Looks good, drives well. Good car. 260 odd kilometer range, plenty. That's enough to get you around the city, no dramas at all. Probably not going to take it on a road trip until we've got a bit more charging on the highway unless you're willing to stop a lot more. But it costs 16 odd thousand dollars more than the exact petrol equivalent. And that's not a premium I'm willing to pay. I'm thinking, what, what should our next car be? Because we've got the beautiful Kenny the Kia Carnival, but we've got the crappy old um, Mazda 2, which, frankly, is still you know bulletproof, great car. But you know, should we be upgrading in time for the kids to get their licenses? Yes. So that's the thought. Should the next car be electric? Yes. Will it be? Probably not. I can't afford that premium. Will it be plug-in hybrid electric? Maybe. That's exciting. But I don't know. And so this is my my question to you is knowing everything you know, whether it's a little or a lot about EVs, what's stopping you buying one? When will you get one? Is your next car electric? Any of those three questions or all of them are what I'm curious to know. So hit me up on Twitter at Trevor Long um, uh, yeah, or by email, whatever you like. If you want to have a chat about it, I'd love to get you on the show and we can have a chat about it as, as real people – looking at the electric vehicle market. But yeah, that's the kind of scenario we're in right now where it's kind of really exciting and I'm just not quite sure yet. Um, should the government be doing something? I've thought about this a lot over the period of time. In part, yes. But I don't think the Electric Vehicle Council is on the right page whinging and complaining about subsidies. The government doesn't need to do anything to ensure that electric cars come here. They're going to come. They have to. There's no other option. But the low end of the market is where people will be hit most. So if and when electric cars become almost the only option at the sub fifty, sub forty, sub thirty thousand dollar mark, we need subsidies to ensure that we're not out of pocket. That's the critical thing. It's too expensive to buy an electric car right now. I don't know how we bring that price down. We need to make sure that the car companies are not being subsidized to keep the prices higher. It should be that the price is not parity, should be five grand more because that's the cost of the technology, the R&D, and that's the potential savings in petrol. And it should be that that five grand is the buffer that we're perhaps incentivized. I don't know. And maybe there's incentives for people that are all in. got solar, you got batteries, there's more incentives to be electric. That would be exciting. Time will tell. Anyway, we'd love to know your thoughts on those questions. Um, what do you know about electric? Are you planning to go electric? When will you go electric and why won't you go electric? Will your next car be electric? Which will it be? Let me know. Go to the website, eftm.com. Click Ask Trev.
1: EFTM. This is the EFTM
2: Podcast. EFTM Podcast. Thank you for listening. Trevor Long here, taking your calls, any tech questions you've got. G'day, Craig. G'day, Trevor. How are you? Yeah, real good. What can I do for you?
3: Uh, mate, I'm uh, looking, I'm uh, starting a new job and I'm, uh, I've am i got to purchase a phone for the job. I don't want to use my own, my own phone, so... Yep. Uh, I was looking at a um, a recycled phone. Just wondering what you uh, would recommend.
2: So, what are the requirements of the phone? I mean, um, oh, a
3: lot of a lot of uh, uh, photos. I'd imagine uh, taking emails as well. Yeah. So,
2: and and is when you say you don't want to mix business and pleasure. So, you've got your yeah. own phone. You're going to have a new number with your with your new work. Are you?
3: That's that's right. That's right. And I've got my got my own iPhone uh, 11 Pro, and I just. I don't want to we'll keep getting work phone calls on that, so now, I'll get another.
2: I don't want to freak you right out here, but um, <laughs> you know the iPhone 11 allows you to have two numbers. Does it?
3: Yes. Well, there you go. I didn't know that.
2: So, <clears throat> your is your new work just going to give you a SIM card? Is it? What's going to happen?
3: No, they'll give me an allowance. So oh, I'll have to go right. and get a SIM.
2: So. I mean, I just just want to talk about dual SIM first because it is a much more convenient way to go. And I, to be honest, I've known about it for a while, but I've never used it until the iPhone 12 came out. I started mucking around with different networks and SIMs and all that stuff. But here's how it works. In your phone, there's one, that little SIM tray that you pop out with with the paperclip. That's where you put your SIM card. So right now you've got a SIM card in there. That's how the phone knows what your network you're on and what your number is and everything. But there's a second SIM inside that's built into the phone that you can't access. It's called an eSIM. And that eSIM can be programmed by pretty much all the big telcos. Um, Okay. Now, at the moment, it is pretty much just Vodafone, Telstra and Optus, although Telstra only this week announced they were going to release eSIMs to their second tier. So you can imagine Boost and Aldi and others getting hold of that. But it's really quite simple. I did it with Optus when I was testing the iPhone 12. I went to an Optus store. I said, I'd like a plan. Um, prepaid. I don't want to be on a contract. Um, yep. and I said I'd like it to be an eSIM. That's all you need to do is ask that question because, right. it, you know, those little packets they have hanging up in service stations mm-hmm. and the yeah. like, they've got yeah. SIM cards in them, right? With an yep. eSIM, the packet just has a barcode in it, a QR code. Ah, and so what happens okay. is they activate it, they give you, you know, you deal, whatever <clears> plan you do, and then you use the camera on your phone to activate it, and it, it downloads a little profile it created, da, da, da. and so what happens is then in your settings you go into mobile, and then there's two lines, and you can label oh. one of them work, and one of them home or one of them personal. Yeah. Yeah. You can you can ensure that. Your primary line is personal. But for every contact, this is how it gets crazy, for every contact you store, you can label them. I want to use the work line for this contact. So, Mm. you know, if you've got clients or business or work colleagues, you can put those in your contacts and you label them work. And so when you call those people, it uses your work number. When you call your wife or friends, it uses your personal number. And most importantly, if you want to on the weekend, you can just go into the settings and tick off and it turns it off for the weekend and then you can oh, turn it turn it back on on Monday morning yeah perfect and and you don't need, right. you don't need to carry two phones you need to, you don't need to buy another phone you're good no. to go as you are you could rock up on Monday to to a new job with the work phone in your pocket as well as your personal phone and by the way of course you can turn off your personal um, phone while you're doing work stuff so you can yeah, right. you know save that distraction and when the phone rings it tells you whether it's ringing from the personal or the work line so you can make that decision to choose to ignore or not the call well i'll be blind there you okay. go see i've yeah, saved you hundreds of dollars on a new you phone have. even you have. even a refurbished phone was going to cost you a few hundred
0: yeah um, exactly
2: all yeah. you need to do now is choose vodafone optus or telstra walk into a store be very clear you want a new e-sim uh, and then you want to sign up to a sim only plan Mostly, they're unlimited calls and texts. So just go for the cheapest possible one possible, and do not yep. sign a contract, because no. because now yep. that Telstra have released this eSIM capability to those second tier carriers, within six to eight months we'll start to see all those cheaper carriers offer yep. eSIMs, and you'll be able to switch and take your take that new work number and switch to a cheaper carrier and get even cheaper calls. Oh,
3: beautiful, fantastic.
2: All right, Craig. Done All deal, Enjoy the day. Let me know how you go, brother. That's a, that's a really good solution to the problem.
3: Excellent. Thanks for the advice.
2: My pleasure. And uh, if you've got a question, like Craig, anytime you want, just go to the website, EFTM.com. Got a question? Head to the website. Click on Ask Trev and you'll uh, get straight through to me. G'day, Ross. Oh, g'day, Trev. How are you, mate? Yeah, real good. What can I do for you?
1: Mate, I'm, I'm a Sparky, and, and I'm wondering about these um, these charging figures that they're giving for electric cars. Mm. Um, they just seem to be way out of the top in, in my thinking.
2: So the figure you mean, like when we say it's a 22-watt or 50-watt and 150 and throughout, are those the figures that blow your mind? Yeah,
1: the actual charging figures. Like I listened to your podcast the other day when you were talking about your trip in the Porsche from Melbourne to Sydney. mm and you mentioned that that Porsche had the capability of 350 kilowatts of charge, mm. and and to me those numbers are just insane.
2: So here's my biggest problem, and you're a Sparky, so please bear with me. And I, I would say educate me, but I'm a dope, so I, I won't remember it. But see, here I have a problem with you know storage versus voltage versus amperage versus wattage. It's all so many different things. So I look at it this way, and I go, <laughs> I go, yeah. an electric car might have. Seventy-six kilowatt hours of storage. I think that's how they right. describe it, right? That's that's how big the battery yeah. is. And yeah, then, yep, yep. and then you plug in. If I plug in at home to a PowerPoint, I might get this kind of two point two watt charge or something like that. Um, kilowatt. Kilowatt, right? And then, yeah, yeah. and then if I've got a three phase, I might be able to get eleven or twenty two. I think it is, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I think um, I think Stephen has. Um He's got a thirty amp outlet which is seven point two kilowatts. So So what so what it means is if you've got let's say it's a hundred um kilowatt hour battery and mm. you've only got seven kilowatts, well you've obviously you've got to charge the thing for at least fourteen hours.
2: Yep, that's then right. that's that's the calculation, right? So then these yeah. these much higher end cars, so the Porsche is a great example. In fact, the Porsche numbers, I'm not gonna even pretend. I'm going to, I could Google them, but they're, they're bigger than even I've quoted, right? They talk about 800s of this and 400s of that. So it's enormous. I remember when they announced it, it was like, what? Crazy. Mm. But mm. when I charge, so what happens, I'm driving from Melbourne to Sydney and there's lots of options for chargers. So the destination charger, so if you stay at a winery or a hotel and they've got a destination charger, that's what Fenix got at his house. That's what I've got here at the office. They're those 30 amp, you know, 7 watt. Mm. Kilowatt. Seven kilowatt. Yeah, um, yeah. Seven kilowatt at, at charges. Great, right? That's just gonna that's overnight. It's gonna help you get back your charge. Then you've got yeah. these new ones that like might be your NRMA or whatever, charge fox um, that are 50 kilowatt. And then right. there's a then there's a thing called ultra rapid, which mm. in many ways is what Tesla calls a supercharger, but I think the ultra rapid ones are now starting to surpass Tesla's numbers. The ultra rapid charges from Charge Fox on the app, they say. Up to three hundred and fifty kilowatt.
1: <laughs> Until it's sparky, mate. That is just berserk. So, what does that scare you, or, or yeah, yeah? Because what what it means is, okay, we plug in the amps and the volts to get the to get the kilowatts right, and I, I believe they they run around a three or four hundred volt battery. So, if you've got three hundred kilowatts with a three hundred volt battery, that's a thousand amps, huh? Right? Yeah. And and the trailing cable coming from from the, the charger on the street into your car, for the life of me, I cannot see how that can handle a 1,000 amps. It has to be monster cable.
2: Well, let me tell you straight up, it is. Now, I don't know what you mean by monster, but the cable... I actually had this conversation privately with ChargeFox, and I've asked them to come on the show. Hopefully, in the next couple of weeks, we can talk about this. But the charging cable... Um, wasn't long enough in a couple of places they had to really position the car weirdly and also mm. if let's you, let's say you know when you think it's quite long enough and then with a traditional home cable you just kind of twist it and plug it in uh-uh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing, no. uh uh this thing so I've got an EFTM water bottle which is probably I don't know, four centimetres three centimetres in diameter maybe four like the cable right. is that thick it's yeah th-
1: but that's, that's that's still nowhere near enough for a thousand amps like a thousand amps is serious current it's you know, it's what you'd find in a big manufacturing facility or, a, you know, it's, it's a lot of current I and mean, it means a big cable and it'd be a big, thick cable.
2: It is, yeah. And, yeah. So, so the ampage, again, this is my problem. We've got volts, we got kilowatt hours and we've got amps. I don't know, understand the amp part mm. of it. I'll tell you right now All that right. the Porsche is quoted as an 800-volt system.
1: Oh, is it? Oh, okay, 800 volts. Well, that, that reduces the current, you see, because... Um, so the
2: higher the volts, um, The less the current. Less the, 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 the volt- which is the ampage right? Yeah, the volts
1: multiplied by the current gives you gives you the watts or, or ah, right. kilowatts. So, so if
2: if this was a two hundred volt system and they were trying to get yeah. you know one hundred and fifty kilowatt charging, it'd be a crazy yeah. ampage you seven
1: hundred amps, seven hundred amps. But, right. but at eight hundred volts, uh, you've got what um, about four hundred four hundred amps, but. Still four hundred amps is, is serious current. It's it's not you know, and, and the connectors that you need. Like I've I've been in an industrial environment most of my life and, and looking at industrial connectors and plugs and things and a four hundred volt, a four hundred amp connector is a darn big connector with big thick contacts. Mm. Nothing like what they have on electric car. Yeah.
2: Well, it's funny, reading the Porsche newsroom announcement of the take on, I'm just looking at it now, it says um, system voltage of 800 volts instead of the usual 400 for electric cars. So most electric cars uh, must be 400. The Porsche is yeah, taking yeah, it out okay. to the next level. And I think you'll find Mercedes and Audi and all that will push that as you do. Mm-hmm. But, but in the end, um, you know, I saw it with my own eyes. It was quite fascinating to have this. And so if I look at the ChargeFox app and it says uh, ultra-rapid, charging up to 350 kilowatts, right? That's what it God. says about this charger. <laughs> Though though I never saw that number. I saw it get ah. up to about 150. I didn't ah, see okay. it get past 150. And my question that I'm going to ask ChargeFox when they come on is – what, what does that mean like is it is it a <clears throat> so you've got this big tall charging unit and it has two two cables on it right is it that it's split right. in half by 50 50 so that it's only ever 175 on one side and 175 on the other is it a bit of a misnomer to say that it's up to 350 kilowatts or is it uh, actually capable yeah, yeah. of it and the car or the cable is what's restricting it so maybe that's that's exactly it maybe there is a restriction of some form in yeah, yeah. in the vehicle uh-huh. but um, so it's mind blowing, eh? That's you, you. You look at these numbers yeah. and think that's just ridiculous.
1: It's just pie in the sky. Yeah, you, you know, if any bark you're telling 350 kilowatt. You look at you, that, that's BS, mate.
2: You if, know, if you were drawing a mud map and someone said I needed to get um, 350 watt power out of out of here um, to charge a 70 kilowatt hour battery or 90 kilowatt hour battery, yeah, you'd say, mate, yeah. you're going to need a cable. How thick would you say? Massive. It's it's
1: we're, we're talking. Well, so cables are rated in the in their in their area, so we talk square millimeters. And off the top of my head, I think I think four hundred amps would be something like 150, 150 mil squared, <laughs> and that is a darn big, heavy cable. You know, with big, heavy connect, connections, and
2: you know, it's just. So I just
1: can't get my head around
2: these numbers. So. <laughs> and I think that's fascinating because I, I think I and others would just take for granted. And, in fact, we asked probably more than than should be asked of these things. We're like, it's not fast enough. It doesn't charge fast enough. Make it faster. Um, and there has to be a, what, a physical what, limit, doesn't it?
1: But what did you actually see? Like when what, what, and what was the battery down to when when you went to charge? It,
2: say, so I, it, I I never got it below like thirty percent. So the good thing there is you don't have the the kind of ramp up. But I did well, but I did see uh, it go from thirty to kind of ninety percent. And what happens is the systems are super intelligent. You'd be fascinated by it when you plug in. There's a, there's a like a handshake, like an old modem handshake, I guess. You know, a conversation between yeah. the car's battery oh, yeah, yeah. and the charger. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. And yeah. the and the charging station says, right, we're we're ready to go, and you press a button to pay or whatever it is. And then it says you, it, the charging station knows what your battery capacity is, which for the average Joe is like the pump at the petrol station knowing how much fuel you've already got in your tank um so that's communicated and then it ramps up so it's you know it goes one kilowatt two kilowatt and it ramps up real quick and in this one i saw it go to 100 and then 150 i saw it go to 151 kilowatt and then once it got to about 75 80 battery capacity of the porsche you see it go down
0: so it Uh goes down uh to like
2: 80 now the they all talk about this being you know that's it's the safe it's essentially a safety mechanism because if you were pumping 150 kilowatt hour in and the battery was mm. getting to 95% capacity, you know, it's it's going to explode, right? So, and that's a broad term, you know, it's going to fail yeah, it's yeah. a better way to yeah, put it. Yeah. Um, but what it does is it slows down. So that by the time you get to 95%, you're actually almost trickle charging. So oh, the, okay. uh-huh. the, the the time quoted to charge from zero to 100 is actually quite enormous, which is why they only have a charge quote you zero to eighty percent in forty minutes. Because if you no, wanted no, no, no. if you wanted to get to a hundred percent, it would take not another hour, but it would certainly take maybe twenty minutes more because it would trickle that it would slow down its trickle to get to that point. And most cars oh. will intelligently never charge to hundred percent because you never want to, to do the full cycle of the battery. That's that degrades the battery mm. over time. It's so pretty, yeah, it's yeah, fascinating, yeah. isn't
1: it? Sure is, yeah. yeah, when, when, yeah. when are you I gonna really go electric mate?
2: <laughs> the price
1: difference, uh, uh, Trevor, is just too much. You are
2: right. Um, that's that's what I keep saying. and It's funny when I, when I have these arguments with um, EV fanboys on, on Twitter, mainly um, they they just don't get it because they've either over invested in their car. And I know people who've bought Teslas other than Stephen, and I'm like, you you can't afford that car. And I, it's well mm-hmm. done, well mm-hmm. done that you've got the loan and you're doing it. But let's be honest, your family budget probably shouldn't be spending the you know, 1000 bucks a month on that, you probably should be spending 500 on a on a, a car half the price. But you have sacrificed, <laughs> and I respect that. I, I had a BMW, yeah. you know, 20 years ago. I shouldn't have. That was a stupid thing to own, but I loved it, and I, it was good. But there's right. no appreciation for the, the value of the car cost in a family budget, and I just think that's what blows it out for most people.
1: Yeah, yeah, gee.
2: Okay. Uh, there you go, mate. You learn something um, new every day. Yeah, yeah. well, I hope there's someone who can shed some light on this. Because well, especially, I've asked, asked ChargeFox to talk about it, so yeah, well, let's, yeah. let's hope we can. Especially when, when you look at
1: these places that have
2: got multiple charge points,
1: and you think, if you've got multiple charge points capable of hundreds of kilowatts each, you'd need a substation there to power them. And and that's really expensive. We're talking serious money here.
2: Well, what's, what's often the case is that, and again, I don't know what you know, but... What I see with my eyes is three or four charging points stations. So there's seven or eight outlets. Um, I normally see a huge battery array, um, which is kind of the size of a a half of a a demountable kind of, you know, those construction demountables, maybe half the size of that as battery. And then there's, there's normally a small solar array. So they're, they're actually mm. charging it that way, and then there's a huge unit which appears to me to be that kind of substation you're you're referring to, but it's not ah, a, it's not of your traditional ah. you know half a block size. It's just a again yeah, a small yeah. fenced off area where there's some mm. form of you know uh, electrical work being because done. You,
1: <laughs> you've also got to think of the, of, of the cost here. You know, if you're running 150 kilowatts and you're running that for half an hour, well that's that's 75 kilowatt hours, right? Mm. And if and if you're talking at the normal rate of what twenty five or thirty cents, uh, you know, we're talking probably twenty bucks worth of electricity in that Yeah, so time. they
2: charge. So Chargefox charges about forty five cents per kilowatt, and no. um, Tesla charges about fifty two.
0: Oh, so, okay. You
2: know, they're rec- where, where they where they're paying for it, you know, or the car companies are paying for it. It's being recouped. It's cost a million bucks to put one of these charges in. So. Yeah, mm. it's it's a lot of money, um, and that's the future. Is is how we monetize that to a point where it's not more expensive to have a electric car than it was a petrol.
1: Yeah, yeah, too. When it's, and then then you've got the issue of people living in units and all that, you know.
2: Oh, yeah. Welcome to the future. <laughs> Food for thought, Ross. Yeah. Food
1: for thought it is
2: mate yeah, alright buddy thank you for the question because it's it's a good, okay, good thing for me to understand and think about alright I'll try and talk to Charge Fox about it in the weeks ahead fantastic thanks Fred. cheers buddy anytime and uh, if you got a question see that's the thing I, 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 never, I mean I thought the cable was big and fat going into the car but I'd never really thought about whether or not it was bigger than it might be expected or smaller so yeah fascinating any question you've got hit me up Taking your questions, Any anything you've got on your mind, uh, a tech question or whatever it might be, hit me up, just click Ask Trev at eftm.com. G'day, Todd. How are you, Trevor? Yeah, real good. What can I do for you, mate? Oh, mate, um, just discovered I, I um,
4: cast my Foxtel Go onto my um, Chromecast and the actual um, Chromecast symbol, sorry, the um, casting symbol has disappeared off the Foxtel Go app. Right, so I, so I can't cast Foxtel onto my television anymore through the Chromecast.
2: So, have you got which? What version of Foxtel do you own or pay for, basically?
4: Um, it's the it's just the Foxtel um, through the internet.
2: Yeah, Foxtel now, right here. Yep,
4: yep. And it used to I used to be able to cast it through my phone, my Foxtel Go app, um, onto a Chromecast onto the telly, and just all of a sudden the um. The symbols disappeared. Yeah. The casting symbol. The Netflix still there. Um so, yeah, the binge so is still there on, on Every, other apps, all the other apps. On yep, other apps, they're all the Chromecast
2: symbol's working and it's there. But yep. you definitely weren't a normal Foxtel customer or something like that. Because what the reason I ask is because there was a period where A they, they made it free uh to Chromecast with as Foxtel customers and B um the there was an issue with you know multi room customers getting it and and some not so if you're an internet okay. only customer it should be standard i mean i'm just going to look at mine yeah. right now just thinking they didn't screw me over here as well where how long did it go to start happening
4: oh i reckon it's only been uh, within the last few weeks okay oh, yeah well. it's actually through my dad's account and um like he's got the multi screen so i think there's five people can use his his screen so that's how i do it i just um screen it off my phone
2: Right, and it's your dad's account. And he's definitely only got the internet version. He doesn't have Foxtel at home and he's just got to log in for it?
4: No, 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 it's definitely the internet version. It's not the, um, what, the dish on the top or anything like that.
2: Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm just wondering w- whether anyone else in the family is having the same problem. Like, I'm wondering mm. whether it's to do with something they've changed on your account. Um, okay. So I've just logged into mine because um, i changed phones. You know what's really interesting? It's not appearing on mine either. <laughs> there you go. Um that's fascinating, but I'm, yeah. But I, I'm gonna. So how long ago did you say you think it was happening? Oh, mate,
4: I reckon it's been three weeks, three weeks. It, maybe if that. Yeah. yeah, I don't watch a lot of it. It's just when I logged on the other day. Um, yeah, I just yeah couldn't cast the um through the through the um Chromecast.
2: So what's interesting is it's come to me now. I clicked on live TV and it's now appeared. So it's definitely working on mine. I had to click live TV first, but I'm assuming you've done something like that to test it, right? <laughs>
4: No, nah, the only thing I did, I didn't click on live TV. I just clicked on sort of some shows that um, I'd I've, I've been watching in the past and that was still there to resume it. So maybe I've got to do that.
2: Give it a try. It does seem ridiculous yep. that that would be what you need to do to give it a kick up the bum. Because mm. what happens is that little area of the screen kind of goes searching while, you, while you're using it, and it's present at the top yep. all the time, right? So it shouldn't yeah. disappear or reappear. Um, I'll have a little bit of a squeeze around. Um, the Probably. other thing I would suggest is logging out and logging back into the app. Yep. To see if that gives it a kick up the bum as well. And, okay. um, and let me know how you go with both those things and, and failing that we will, um, we'll maybe try and find someone at Foxtel who can uh, give you some advice. All right.
4: Yeah. Thanks for that, Trevor. Yeah. I just thought it was a little bit odd that yeah. all the other apps were fine. Yeah. Like Netflix, YouTube, everything's still got that symbol. And now all of a sudden the, um, Fox go, the symbol's missing. So yeah.
2: Yeah, all right. All right. Well, let's see how we go with that, all right? Good on you, mate. Thanks for your help, Trev. Bye, mate. Any time. If you've got a question like Todd, uh, just get in touch. Go to the website, EFTM.com.
0: EFTM. This is
1: the EFTM Podcast. EFTM Podcast.
2: Congratulations to uh, Anthony Bennett, I think it was, um, who won the Dynabook Portage laptop. Um, Thousands of entrants, tens of thousands of entries. Very exciting. Um and we we did the gleam random draw and uh, Anthony was our winner and he contacted me yesterday and was excited and said thanks, um so that's awesome and we'll get that prize out to him very very soon had a good chat in the uh, man cave man cave moderators group the the boys who help out with the man cave like the I'll be honest the sentiment in the man cave Facebook group was. Um, you know, congratulations, congratulations, congratulations. But then there's one or two people who go, well, his he, pro- his public profile is just competitions. He must be a prize pig. I didn't say that, but that's the insinuation. But here's the thing: there's a couple of defenses to that. Firstly, a lot of people have very private profiles, and they only publicly post the things they're required to, i.e., competition entries. Secondly, it's actually, well, maybe three things. Secondly, it's actually smart to have separate profiles, Um, you know, you might have a separate email address for competition entries, you might have a separate postal address, because that way you stop yourself getting spam into your main inbox, smart, I respect that, and thirdly, it's an open competition, free to enter, anyone can enter, the point of my giveaways is not just to reward those people who are loyal listeners and readers, the point is to grow that audience, right, and to get more people, so the next giveaway is, is, is good, it's a good one, I won't go into details, but I'm going to try and and wait the entry. So it's free to entry. Get a, get a couple of entries. Good, well done. But then the more loyal, the more in the club you are, maybe the more entries you can get. Um, we talked about this with the team. We're thinking, you know, when you watch my videos, maybe there's codes that appear, or I say, maybe on um, maybe in the podcast, there's more verbal codes because you're the people that are most loyal, and I respect that. Um, but also my hope is that you tell your friends and your family about what EFTM does. I want more people subscribing to this podcast and I can see those numbers and they don't grow at a great rate. but They grow, but I'd love to see it grow bigger. So tell your friends about podcasting. Tell them about this show. Maybe there's incentives for that. I don't know. Um, but that's the overall premise of doing those things. So anyway, congratulations to Anthony and uh, all I'll say is make sure you're part of the club here. Podcasting, you're in the EFTM man cave on Facebook because we've got some good things coming. That's all. That's all I'm going to say. Here's the problem with the recording the podcast in the middle of the day. I'm really hungry. Um, I've been getting to the office at four a.m. because I picked the kids up in the Arvo at three. And often have a banana for breakfast. But Jesus Christ, right now I am so hungry. And it doesn't help that Daniel's just published an article on EFTM.com that says KFC app launches free delivery if you're hankering for a towel burger. Now, I don't want what a towel burger is, but I'm looking at the photo and I'm mouth watering. I want one. It looks like it's just two fillets with a bit of cheese and lettuce. I mean, maybe I should try one, right? What do you reckon? Um... So the KFC app, uh, Christy Woolrich, CMO at KFC, said, we've listened to our fans. We've made ordering easier than ever by launching delivery via the KFC app. So you don't actually need to use the um, DoorDash app. You can just use the KFC app. So my question to myself right now as I almost wrap up my recording is, do I go down to the EFTM cafe here in the office business park where they're starting to become awesome and they remember my – grilled chicken and cheese sandwich order, or do I get KFC delivery? Hmm. Thinking about it. I mean, you know, I should try out the service, right? The delivery service. See how long it takes. Well, you'll just never know. This is the EFTM podcast. Thank you for listening. Got a question? Hit me up. Go to the website, EFTM.com. Click Ask Trev. G'day, Ken. G'day, Trevor. What you doing, mate? How can uh, I help you? Look, I've got a,
3: an LG TV yep. um, that I've had for a few years. I think I bought it in about 2009.
2: 2009? Um, yeah. Like 12 years ago?
3: Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. It's a smart TV. It's a 42 inch. Um, and it works quite well. Right. Um, well, it, it, it did work, and then it failed, and then I got all the guts of it replaced under warranty, um, and then it's worked ever since then and no problems whatsoever. Okay. And I tried to connect Stan up to it this uh, year, or yep. last year, I should say, Use, 2020.
2: Using what? Because that's an old TV. It certainly wouldn't have Stan on it. How are you getting Stan into the TV?
3: Well, <laughs> I Googled something. I Googled it up or something in... Um, on how to do it, and I had to do this and that and something else. I can't remember now. And then Did you, did register you have to and, buy anything?
2: Did you buy a little box or?
3: No, 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 no. And I finally got it on there, and I can watch things. But every now and again, what happens is, is that you're watching something on Stan because I've got uh, Foxtel connected up to it and um, mainly watch things through Foxtel, yeah. free-to-air and Foxtel. Yep.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, but you've got to turn off the Foxtel box to g- go back to the antenna and scroll through on the smart button and come through down the bottom onto to s- the stand button, which eventually I, I got. Um, but then it'll start going through the show, and you'll get s- perhaps halfway through sometimes Um, And then it'll stop, it'll just freeze, and you'll get this little circle going around and around and around and around and around and around, and and it keeps going, and then it'll come back with a blank, or another screen comes up and says, um, do you want to resume from the start or start off again, you know, or resume, resume or start from scratch again. So you click on resume, and then after a couple of, it seems like a couple of minutes, it goes in comes up. And the show starts again, and then it says, "Oh, hang on a minute!" And then it will stop and freeze again, and then go around and around and around and so, around in so circles. So here's the thing:
2: your TV. I mean, you're not like you sent me the model number. That is legit, one of the original smart TVs. So yes, you're telling me you're not using your smartphone in any way. You're just using the remote control, and you've got a stand app installed on that TV. Yes. I mean, I'm. It's remarkable. Well done. <laughs> but because not even, like Stan says they don't support TVs before 2013. So it's remarkable what you've done, but that's why it's not working well, right? It's the TV. Yes. So think of it like, uh, you know, computers. Over the years, they, they they got faster and faster. TVs are the same. Yes. The brains, the guts of the TV is slow, and it can't cope with what you're trying to do, what you're trying to watch. So yes. while it does work, and that's a credit to you for the, for the fortitude to actually get it done – Mate, for a hundred bucks, you can have a mind-blowingly better experience with that TV, right? Oh, really? Yeah. Um, now, you, how much do you use Foxtel? Still, by the way,
3: uh, we use Foxtel all the time. Yeah.
2: Right. Okay. So that's that's a that's a serious part of your life, right? So. Oh yes, absolutely. The th- yes, the thing you need is is what we call a, a Chromecast with Google TV. Now, I don't know. I'm looking. It has Your TV has three HDMI inputs, so this is fine. This little dongle plugs into another one of your HDMI inputs. So you've got your Fox telling one of them. Then this little Chromecast will go into the next one. And then it, it also has power plugs into the wall, right? So power and uh, HDMI. Then you right. set this little thing up uh, with a Google account. You install the Stan app, and it's got its own little remote control, mate. It will blow your mind how much faster it is to navigate, do everything from from across the device. But basically it will be super fast, super reliable and, and the great thing is for a hundred bucks, you've turned the dumbest of smart TVs into the very smartest of <laughs> smart TVs.
3: <laughs> dumbest like the way you say that. <laughs>
2: like it's not so yours is not a dumb TV, it's a dumbest of the smart TVs. Yes. Do you use any other smart functions of that TV? Um, not really, no. No. So you're basically just using Foxtel and you're switching out of that to get Stan, right? That's what you're doing. Yes. So then this little $100 dongle will give you, A, not just Stan, but you can get Netflix, Amazon Prime, KO, Disney, they're all there. You can download them all, but just Stan for now. And here's the thing I want to forecast for you. I want you to spend a bit of time thinking about what you actually watch on Foxtel. How much are you spending every month on Foxtel?
3: Uh oh, but I think it's 117 dollars I think our and our I, monthly bill.
2: I want you and your 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 family to write a list over the course of a week and a half of all the things you watch on Foxtel. What channel they're on, what shows they are, right? And yeah. I almost bet you, I almost bet you you could save 50 to 60 dollars a month by getting rid of that Foxtel box and installing the Foxtel app on the Chromecast. Oh. Yeah. Oh, really? So the Foxtel service with a box and a dish and, or a cable or whatever, you know, is, yeah, yeah is, it's is a, amazing. It's got a dish, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. But the Foxtel internet service, which is like Stan, it's uh, streamed over the internet, has all the live TV channels. you just got to pay for which channels you want, just like the current packages. But once you work out what it is you watch, you'll be surprised to find out which of those are available on the cheaper plans on Foxtel Now is what it's called, Foxtel Now. Um, oh yeah, and mate, that's what we did at home. I'm, I would spend one hundred and twenty-five bucks a month. We got rid of that. Two boxes gone. Sport gone. Everything gone. I pay twenty-five bucks a month for KO, which is the sports service. Gives me all the Formula One and, and footy for free uh, for twenty-five bucks unlimited. Um, and then I've got Stan, I've got Netflix, and I pay twenty-five bucks for the basic Foxtel package, so I can watch Sky News and a few other things. Oh right, saving okay. money. Okay, ninety-nine dollars. Go to JB Hi-Fi, get a Chromecast with Google TV. Do not buy the standard Chromecast. You must get the Chromecast with Google TV. You'll tell it's that oh, because, okay. a, a, it's 99 bucks, and, B, you'll see a picture of a little remote on the box. So it's a, it's a little dongle and a remote.
3: With Google TV. I'm yeah. just writing this down. Chromecast $100. with Google TV.
2: $99 it'll cost you.
3: Okay. All right. I will. All right, Ken. I'll I'll go into um, Eastland, my local JB store, and buy one.
2: Perfect. Good luck, mate. <laughs> Let me know how you
3: go. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Thank you, Trevor. No worries
2: Thank you. at all. No worries. And if you got a question, like Ken, just get in touch. Easy as that. Let's keep going with calls. G'day, Brian.
0: G'day, Trevor. How are you going? Yeah,
2: really good. What can I do for you?
0: Oh, well, I need you to help me join the dots, Trevor, and the dots I'm talking about are the domain name dots and .coms, .aus, .nets.
2: Mm, i love uh, it. So yeah. you're looking to do this for your, for your, like your family or your business?
0: Well, I've, having been made retrenched last month, I'm starting a new business, so I'm trying to work out what is the best way for me to get the right kind of domain name, and I have to tell you the advice that seems to be out there is varied, Trevor, uh, yeah. depending on where you're buying it from. Yep. And a lot of the places are foreign. And um, so th- th- there seems a ranking, Trevor, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, there seems to be like a, a ranking, like you want to go for the dot-com name, but some are saying, well, dot-net is just as good. But if you're in Australia and you're only trading in Australia, forget dot-com, dot-com-au AU is where you want to be. Um, and then, of course, how much are you going to be paying for all of this? And the last part of the question, I suppose, there's a lot of questions, Trevor. Is Mm. some people are saying um, you want your email, uh, whoever's providing the email for this, to be the same company. You know, maybe it's GoDaddy or whoever it might be. Get them to do the lot. Other people are saying, man, you know, if something goes goes wrong with that that over there, you're going to be losing your ability to communicate with your business. Maybe you should think about keeping that separate. I'm looking to you to try and unravel all of this for me. All
2: right, I'm. I can. I can speak with a relative level of authority here for a couple of reasons. I've been selling domain names for like 30 years. Um, like it was a big business for me. I don't know, 25 years ago, we were we had our own bloody domain. We were selling. We were building websites, and so we we started selling domain names, and we realised they were a big thing. So we started doing them on mass. So, uh, Chris Murphy, the the music manager, NXS manager, who passed away recently. I reckon he bought 400 domain names for me in one year. He was just such a nut for it. He wanted to own everything. It was it was fun. It was a fun little boom, dot-com wow. boom, if you like, back then. Well, not not big money in it, but it was a fun little thing to be in. Um, I don't do it do it anymore, but I still have the kind of registry set up. I still know what's there. And I still buy domain names for myself for my own things because I'm, I'm kind of of the ilk. And so let's start with the first thing of which one should you get. I'm of the ilk. You should get whatever the hell you can. Um, so... EFTM, for example, I, I bought EFTM.com.au when it first when we first launched, we also had everything for the man.com.au and and this kind of thing because we we thought we didn't know how it would brand out. Um, eftm.com was not available, someone owned it. But I don't know, four years ago I kind of looked it up and I thought oh, I'll I'll try and negotiate. So I actually bought it through escrow and all that kind of jazz, but not not the public kind of search purpose. But for me, especially given you're at that very embryonic Point of starting a business, personally, I would build the business name around what you can get as a domain name. So my wife and I were mucking around with the, this, uh, you know, about a year ago, looking at whether or not we should. She wanted to do this little venture, and we were. I was searching domain names for it to determine whether or not the idea of a name she had would work and different things like that. Because I thought that really, if people are going to hear the word, like it depends how people are going to find your business. If you're always you know, emailing them or whatever, then it doesn't matter because search doesn't matter. But if search matters, then what people search for is what you need to think about. So if they're hearing about your brand, um, let's say, and you know, well, let's make up a business here for fun. Um, um, uh, Red Helmets, right? Let's say Red Helmets is what we were thinking about selling, this really important product. Then uh, first thing I do is search for Red Helmets and see what's available. Is it the .com.au? And the .com, to me, that's, that's a massive win. Yes, get them both, and that's your business name. If it's just the .com.au, then what you need to do is look at what is at the .com. Is it a competing company with the same thing that could confuse people, even though it's American or wherever it's from, especially if it's Australian, Right. So yep. there's no rhyme or reason as to why you get one or the other other than for protection because there's really no protection over domains, uh, over business names other than trademarks, which are stupidly expensive, right? So it's it's like a way of protecting yourself. And really, .com.au and .com are the top of the tree for us here in Australia. .com.au is easier to obtain because you actually do need a business name to get it, whereas .com, anyone can get .um the rest of them, .net, .net.au, .everything, there's a million dots, you know. Mm. Unless it's stupidly relevant to your business, then don't, don't stress about it. Focus on the .com.au and the .com first. Um, so that, that's my, my approach to what's available. If it is something that is very popular and therefore not available in the, in the big names like .com.au or .com, then look at what's available and who the competitors are. Because, again, if people are going to get confused going online and finding someone else, especially if that's someone, when you search Google, has strong search results, then it's going to be very hard for you to crack it online.
0: Okay. And coming back to the question of do you, do you want to go with a all-in-one provider and is that risky for business if you lose your emails, everything goes down with them? Should you be keeping your emails uh, with with somebody else rather than the – the website and, and, you know, the domain, or do you just bundle it all in with a, you know, a snack pack? I'll, yeah. let, I'll let
2: you decide, but I'll tell you what I think of both methods. So I have forever been a believer in the separate everything, mainly because people get ripped off. So a domain name is something you can buy without any other thing attached. I own the domain name, done. That's it. And by the way, uh, you know, a .com.au would probably cost you $30 to $40 a year is a rough yeah. number, okay? Because that they have to be registered for two years. So .com, you can register for just one year at a time or up to 10 years so you can own it for, for a longer period um, and protect it kind of thing um, because forgetting to renew is the biggest risk for any business online. So always keep keep your ducks in a the row there. So mm-hmm. separating it out means you can own the domain name and buy the domain and then find the solution you want going forward for all the other things. The problem is the biggest part of the solution is what we call DNS, domain name servers. Now, I won't lie, even though I can register domain names through my own registrar and probably save five bucks a year or something, I use GoDaddy, right? I've got a GoDaddy account. It's got DNS built into it. It's got all these things and any domain name I buy, I buy it there and then I use it for DNS and that's it. That's all I use it for. I've got some websites at GoDaddy only for testing, but I, I wouldn't. I haven't launched a website publicly on GoDaddy. I use different hosting for websites. Then email, again, I separate it out because I think and I firmly believe that Gmail is the best email solution anywhere, both for business and personal. And you can set up what's called a Google workspace and it looks to you like Gmail, but to everyone in the world emailing you, they don't need to know what email system you've got. They don't need to know that it's not a Microsoft server or, a, you know, a Hotmail account. It's just, to them, it's just, you know, um, Trevor at RedHelmets.com. Um, that's what it is. And, and for me, when I log in, it looks like a Gmail account. And it means that it's easy to install on every phone you've got because it's just a Gmail app. You know, it's very easy to use, very good spam filters. I think Gmail is the best solution for email. And you can set up your own domain name on Gmail and, and it's, it's easy to do. Um, it, the only time it becomes, I guess, expensive is if you are planning to have multiple users. Now, Brian. let me be clear. You can have hundreds of email addresses and only one user. So if it's just Brian, but you want accounts at Red Helmets, um, sales at Red Helmets, Brian at Red Helmets, Brian spelt differently in case people are stupid, whatever, right? Um, yeah. They can all go to the one inbox, which is your user account. But for EFTM, for example, I've got an, uh, an inbox for, for, for John. I've got an inbox for Stig. I've got him. But then I've also got just forwarding set up so that Scott, for example, doesn't have an EFTM inbox. I just forward all his mail to his existing inbox. So there's a bunch of things you can do for fun with email, but that's getting over Personally, my advice buy the domain get and with DNS hosting. Wherever you buy it, make sure it's got DNS hosting. And that means you can tell the domain company where your website and your email are. When you sign up for a Google Workspace account or whatever email you use, you can tell the domain provider via the DNS where it is. When you build a website, your website provider will tell you what DNS to set up, and you can set it up easily. So yeah, I I think separating it out is a a better way to go because you're out of that bundle world of you don't really know whether you're getting a good deal or not.
0: Okay. And for somebody like me, is this something that's within my grasp to just... Jump in and work your way through, and ask the questions of whoever you're talking to, or you know, do you do you outsource this to somebody and say, "This is what I want. This is the advice I want. This is the domain name I want. I've already got it. Can you um, set that all up for me? Is that viable, or not really?
2: How big? I mean, are you going to be building your own website, for example? Do you want to give that a crack? Through all the, there's plenty of services like Wix and WordPress that allow you to do that. Are you going to give it a crack yourself? Well, I'm. Oh, look, I'm
0: thinking about it. I'm a one-man show, so... Why not? Um, like
2: here, Here's my argument. Why not? So if you give it a crack yourself and you stuff it up, the worst thing that happens is you own a domain name and you're not currently using it. And then you go to someone, you say, build me a website, set me up email, here's the domain name password, that's how they get it working, right? Done. Yep. But there is, I believe, great reward in having that kind of ownership... Understanding, feeling to everything, where it means that when you build a website your own through Wix or something, or, or um, WordPress is what I use. I think it's fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. You, if if something changes and you want to do something, you just do it. You don't have to ring someone, and pay someone, just do it. Um, yeah. I think you'd be surprised. So let let me give you this recommendation only because it's what I do. Set go, go to GoDaddy, buy the domain. Yeah. Find yep. it, but GoDaddy, and, and in your email to me, you went into much more detail about how some places it seemed like you searched and it was not available the next day. I think GoDaddy is reputable enough that they're not going to, um, they're going to show you something that's not available when it is or is available when it's not and vice versa. They're going to try and sell you every domain name under the sun because it's what they do. Um, but if you like some of them, buy them, whatever. There's no drama there. Just be careful as you're checking out, untick all the other boxes. Um, yeah. The only box I recommend you maybe is the domain protection which is a way of uh, essentially protecting your private details like your phone number from random scammers who can because domain information is public they can look at who owns it and they can send you emails and phone calls it's a massive scam going around they ring and say do you want to build a website and all this kind of stuff so pay for the privacy protection which domain name which GoDaddy offers I think it's a good service they have Um, but other than buying the domain name choosing the ones you want and and the privacy protection that's it and, and then you want to make sure that it has DNS in, included. That might be a service you need to sign up for, but I think it might come with buying a domain name, so you don't need to add it on. Once you've got that, then go to Gmail and search, go to Google and search for Google Workspaces. Um, they keep changing the bloody name, but I'll be honest, it's stupid what they do. It used to be called Google app, Apps. Um, I'm going to just search my email now. I'm pretty sure it's called Google, or oh, maybe it's called Google Work uh, Workspace. Google okay. Workspace is what it's called now. So if you Google Google Workspace, then you go, I want to, I want to have a Google Workspace, and it'll like Google do very well at um, at working you through this stuff. Um, Google sell domain names too, by the way. Um, you could do it all with them, and I wouldn't have a problem with that because Google ain't going bust anytime soon. If you set up a Google Workspace with them, you could buy the domain name through them and pretty much be off and running through them. I, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. Um, but once you've got a Google Workspace, then you've got email and you can start looking professional from day one. Because if you do email first, well before you do website, you can start sending emails to prospective customers, business people, whatever, and it looks professional because it's a domain name. If you send an email as at Gmail or at Big Pond, you do not look professional. And it's my biggest bugbear in life. People who don't have a professional front-facing email, just get – that's the first thing you should have.
0: yeah. Trevor, as always, <laughs> sage advice. I'm going to get started on that uh, uh, straight away. Good
2: stuff, so, mate. Let me know how you go. Happy, to, happy for you to email me and let me know where you're at with it. And um, hopefully it all goes easily. You know, Don't rush it, mate. Just take your time. I mean, it's. I'm sorry to hear you, mate, got made retrenched, but you've bought yourself some time. It's exciting. So let's make this exciting and take your time. Do like one thing a day. Today, I'm going to find the domain name. Tomorrow, yep. I'm going to own the domain name. The next day, I'm going to have email. And honestly, it it actually, all that could be done in one day, but it doesn't take 24 hours for these things to happen. It's instant. It's really, really cool. It's fun.
0: <laughs> Sounds like a great plan. I'm going to get on it, Trevor. You have a great plan. Thanks again.
2: All right, buddy. Anytime. And uh, if you've got a question just like that one, um, hit me up anytime. Go to the website, eftm.com. Thank you very much for listening and downloading. Please tell your friends. Please share the podcast. Please leave a rating and a review. Um, and feel free to you know click subscribe on all the other devices via the iTunes store because the subscriptions is what actually makes the charts count. Not that I care too much anymore. We've got hundreds of uh, great ratings and reviews, so it's always good to see those piling. Um, thank you for listening. We're back again next week. It's a busy week this week, so you won't see me around too much on the web, but the boys will write as much as they can. I've got a cool speaking gig over the next three days, which is virtual so I can wear shorts and thongs to work. Um, I don't even need to wear a suit jacket. Um, so that's, But that's important because those are the gigs that pay the mortgage. Um, and it's great to have those back on the radar after 12 months of nothing. Um, today's show tomorrow morning talking TVs and hopefully later in the week, if not on Thursday, talking photos. So there's a bit coming up and you'll see me around. Uh, as always, EFTM.com. Follow me on Twitter at Trevor Long, at Instagram at Trevor Long AU, and you'll find me everywhere. Thanks for listening, team. I will see you soon. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM.